know Your ass better call somebody Gentlemen, boys, and girls, children of all ages, Destination Debbie is proud to bring to you its Dynasty Tag Team Champions of the World, the McNutted Michael Crystal, the ATM Adam McFerrin, the 4D Chess Podcast. And of course, if you're not down with that, we've got two words for you. Welcome back in, everybody, to another edition of the 4D Chess Dynasty Podcast. As always, the voice you're hearing now, Mr. McNutted, Michael. You can find me on Twitter at IowaMichael. And, of course, rocking with me as always, my one of my favorite people in the entire world, probably outside of my five-year-old, Adam's in the building. You can find him on Twitter at ATM4DChess. What's going on tonight, buddy? Mike, we're back in. Dynasty Degenerates, welcome to another episode. The off-season is here, but for us, Dynasty Degenerate people, this is where we get busy, we get in the muck, make the league that much better for when we come around and the season starts. Ah, free agency's crazy. There's all kinds of stuff popping off, big trades, big names going all over the place, all the rumors that you can want in the world, people following it. I know for us, it's it's kind of, it's great because I I. I love this information, right? I think if you're listening to a dynasty podcast right now, you're a degenerate. Like Adam says, you love this kind of thing and it's exciting as can be, but I know for you and I just last week, we're trying to redo our own rankings for our Patreon. It's like, damn it. Now we got to go back and do them all over again. There's going to be so many movers and shakers and so much gets affected and guys going up and guys going down it's kind of depressing, but it's also exciting. So I'm not going to let the depression take over having to rank these guys. I'm going to lean into it. This is great. I'm, I'm excited. It's great, man. It's going to be a ever-changing. Those rankings, they're fluid, right? It's today someone's here. Tomorrow they might not be, right? I mean, you just talk about the combine, all the things that are going to happen. Some of these guys signing for agency to the right spot. They got to go up. They got to go down if they go to the wrong spot, right? It's just it's the reality. Rankings have to be fluid in Dynasty. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Well, we need to dive right into it because I think we have an excellent show for you. One that I'm really excited. I know Adam's excited for you. Super excited would, for this one, man. We would be remiss if we didn't we didn't bring this to you guys, gals, first. The free agency news and our quick thoughts on it. So let's dive right in. We're just going to rapid fire off some of this. Give some quick takeaways. Adam, your opinion on Deshaun Watson not being charged legally with his situation going on what's that do for his dynasty value i mean the reality is if you're listening to this and don't know it's gone up and it's gone up drastically i don't know we don't we can't we don't have a crystal ball we don't know what it's going to be but i can tell you that was a big piece for him he will probably face a suspension of some sort to that degree we don't know if it's going to be four six games if it would be lengthier he's probably at minimum going to get contract detrimental to the league of some sort um but for his dynasty value it's gone up significantly and 
you and I are seeing it in a couple startups we're in where he has really risen up board. So his dynasty value is significantly higher. And I'm interested to see where he ends up landing. We probably we're recording this on the 16th Wednesday. By the time this drops to you on Friday, he very well may have a landing spot, but we don't know what that is yet. I would say right now in some of these startups that we're doing, I'm very comfortable taking him at the top of the second round in a super flex startup. I think he still has some room there to improve because if he's fully clear or back on the table or suspension behind him or whatever the case may be on his new team, he's definitely in that conversation as a top five dynasty quarterback asset. Yeah. So you kind of get a little bit of a discount, right? Taking him at the top of the second, somewhere in there, 202, 203, 204, 205, I guess, maybe, which is a, a big boost, a big increase from where he was going before we knew this, right? He was maybe in that third round, back in third. People would take shots on him depending on how they felt. So, yeah, definitely a huge boost for him. Let's move on to Cleveland real quick. Mari Cooper traded Cleveland for peanuts. Dallas just taking taking whatever, right? Taking some fab in dynasty here. Take I mean, this it, guy. It got a, it was a fifth round swap and a six. I mean, I'm I, okay. I mean, they, they just wanted the money gone and him gone. I guess that's what that signals. Um, as far as what, I don't know how much it really does for Amari Cooper. It, the thing I think for Amari, for me is, especially with all the craziness going on in Cleveland, me being from Cleveland, Baker's, I mean, Baker, Reagan, Mayfield, writing the whole name in this letter to everybody. Stay off social media. He said he's going to stay off social media, and he comes and he does this. Oh, man. It it drives – it's mind-boggling. But, yeah, so we don't know who's throwing the football to Amari Cooper still, right? Maybe he's the number one, but if it's not Baker and they don't land Watson, I don't don't really know what it does to his dynasty value, truthfully. Like, I still would take shares of him, but he's kind of – I don't know what to do with him yet. I think I think it's a neutral for his actual dynasty value. Not True. up, not down. I mean, he gets the benefit of being the guy because the worst case scenario, right? The the target competition that they could bring in at this point is going to be through the draft, right? Say say they do rock with Baker, which that is completely uncertain. I'm not going to speculate on the Baker Mayfield situation. It just doesn't look very promising right now. But sure. they bring in a rookie. Does that rookie usurp him right away, right out the gates? Probably highly, not. Highly Probably doubtful. not. Yeah. So he he's the one. But you have, like you said, that uncertainty about who's throwing him the football, going from an offense like Dallas to an offense like Cleveland is the negative. But you have the positive on the other side of being the guy, the alpha, the one, the, the target hog in that offense. So yeah. I think it's a neutral move for him. Nothing great, nothing nothing bad. Speaking of other wide receivers that have gone to new destinations, DJ Chark landing in Detroit, right? Yeah. I, I, I'll i dive into this one first because I have pretty strong feelings about it with Amon Ra St. Brown. Yep. We all knew Amon Ra was going to get some target competition coming in, another wide receiver, right? They definitely needed one. Khalif Raymond was, was not it. But coincidentally, they also re-signed Khalif Raymond, but for the special teams and – Whatever. If they were going to bring a guy in, the best possible kind of guy they could bring in was a guy like DJ Chark. DJ Chark's not a target hog. He works in the deeper parts of the field, the longer routes, the you know, the stretch routes, that kind of field where Amon Ra likes to operate in that short to intermediate zone, more of a target hog, kind of that traditional slot role. So if they were going to bring somebody in, 
DJ Chark, in my mind, was the best possible case for us, other than, you know, if they if they brought in like a guy like Juju who plays the similar type role that underneath route, well, now his his future got a little bit murky. Or if they brought in a true alpha like Allen Robinson, which was rumored to be, that's a big target hog in those short routes, you know, running the slants, that kind of thing, where I don't think this affects Amon Ra too much. And there's people out there who hate it. I'm, I'm not in that camp. Like, I think this was best case scenario for him and really doesn't change his dynasty value in, in any way for me personally. No, I, I think I like it for actually DJ Shark and I like it for Amon Ross St. Brown. I still think that team is not going to be good enough to sustain a lot of wins. Maybe they're a little more competitive this year. I would, You would hope because they were so bad last year. But because they're still not going to be very good, losing a lot of games, I still expect this team to have to throw the ball quite a bit. To your point you just made is a really good one and on a couple different levels. But Amon Ross St. Brown, I think to be what was valued in Dynasty, he's not a proper alpha. That's not who he is. He's a really good receiver, I think. I think he's shown on the NFL football field as a good one. But I think as a number two receiver, with a guy like DJ Chark taking the top off or the ability to, that lets Amon Ross St. Brown run some of those routes he likes to run, possession-type routes, where he's not going to have that same type of defensive mindset on covering him. I actually like it quite a bit for Amon Ross St. Brown. And for DJ Chark, I think he just needed to go somewhere that was not like overly crowded with wide receivers. And that's perfect for him in Detroit. They're going to be trailing. They're going to be throwing. I, I like it for both DJ Chark and Amon Ross St. Brown. I think, and I still love DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkinson in that offense. Let's move on. Let's keep the wide receiver theme going and we'll tie in some other things. Trevor Lawrence gets more weapons. I don't know how great those weapons actually are. Uh, for those of you listening to this at home, you know, hit me up on Twitter. I kind of want to get some feedback too on what you guys are thinking about the the Jaguars moves because it is kind of head scratching. I will say this: Christian Kirk going there, getting the bag, good for him, good for his agent. Um, it's it's not a negative to Trevor Lawrence, like the one that I really care about. I don't I don't know if it's good for Christian Kirk personally. Not a lot of target competition out there. I don't know if it's good or bad for Lavisca Chenault. I'm just kind of indifferent on that one. But they also got Evan Ingram, which I kind of like. I mean, that, that's a, a decent enough move. None of these are super sexy moves that happen in Jacksonville. But, hey, I mean, if, you, if you're a, a Trevor Lawrence owner, you got to be happy because at least they're doing something, right? At least they're they're giving them something. I don't know how great they are. This kind of feels like the New England situation from last year. But at least they're they're making an effort to try to put – more talent or more weapons around Trevor Lawrence and invest in his success. So great for Trevor Lawrence, just kind of whatever for everybody else. I mean, maybe a little bit of a boost in my mind for like an Evan Ingram, you know, getting out of that situation with the giants and going to Jacksonville, Christian Kirk, maybe a little bit of a boost now kind of being the de facto one in that offense. But yeah. What, what are your thoughts, Adam? What do you think about the, the Jaguars uh, spending spree, as we're going to call it, giving bags to everybody? I mean, I, they're in a the position to do so. You're kind of seeing this in free agency, at least, really play out. The Chargers, right? They got Justin Herbert on the rookie contract. They throw the bag at Williams. They start doing a lot of moves in free agency. The Jaguars are in the same boat with a rookie quarterback, and that allows you to just throw money at other positions. So 
I, I understand what they're doing. I mean, Kirk is not worth all that money in my estimation, but regardless, I'm here to tell you what I think about these guys in Jacksonville. I think it could work out well for Christian Kirk. We see him struggle a little bit in Arizona when there wasn't a new Hopkins to really like stretch the field at times. So I don't know. I, I like it for Kirk. I like what the Jaguars are doing. I really like it most for Trevor Lawrence, man. I think Trevor Lawrence is the person that most is benefited from everything that the Jaguars are doing. I think that moving on from Urban Meyer and bringing in these type of players like Kirk, Evan Ingram, just more opportunities for Trevor Lawrence to grow and develop into the star we all have seen at times uh, with him at Clemson and this I mean, he's almost a generational talent man at quarterback. So I'm excited for Trevor Lawrence, almost more than anybody in that whole Jacksonville. Um, all the signing pieces, I think Trevor Lawrence is the big, big winner. Moving on, let's head to uh, my arch nemesis team, the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, right? no. Franchise tag, Dalton Schultz, 10 mil, roughly. I think they're going to work out a deal and it'll be something different. No, neither here nor there. I, I don't really care about the specifics of the cap. Dalton Schultz going back to the Cowboys, I thought was, besides maybe going to the Chargers, best case scenario for him. Mari Cooper getting let go. We got to talk a little bit about Michael Gallup. I think if you're on a rebuilding squad, probably good for you. Like maybe go out and see if you can throw a little Michael Gallup and buy him cheap. I don't know how many people yep. are going to do it. If you're on a contending team, this might be enough of a a boom for you to be able to move on from Michael Gallup and get an asset who's going to actually play the first few weeks of the season and not give you zeros. But Michael Gallup, Dalton Schultz, anything that you really wanted to touch on there? A little bit of a bump for Gallup, and definitely I think it solidified kind of where we were ranking Dalton Schultz, maybe in that like 10, 11, 12 range for tight ends in Dynasty. Yeah, I think Dalton Schultz is a big winner. Just staying in Dallas. I think, like you said, had he gone to the Chargers, I like that too. But, man, if he would have – if this didn't happen with the franchise tag, had they gone elsewhere with that franchise tag, and he went in free agency and took a big contract from a team that didn't have a great quarterback or just wanted to throw money around, that would have been – that could have been detrimental for Dalton Schultz. And I think now that he's in Dallas and that there's a chance that they work on something long-term, massive for him. Uh, I think he stays in as a top 10-ish tight end. Um, I think to your point with Michael Gallup, interesting to see how this played out. They moved Cooper for pennies on the dollar as far as they just wanted something back and to get rid of his contract. They pay Michael Gallup. The injury still is troublesome for the start of the year. But like you said, on a rebuilding team, that type of contract to him in that offense happened to throw the football. Yeah, that's I mean, it's nothing to go get crazy about. Right. But if, if someone's not in on Michael Gallup. This is that that's good news for him too. All right. Let's move on to another NFC team, the Arizona Cardinals. And let's talk about Zacherts. If if y'all out there listening hadn't hadn't caught it yet or weren't aware, Adam and I did a guest spot on Kiwu and Jones. Shout out to those two guys. Very fun. We love doing that. But we were asked, where's the best place for Zacherts to land in free agency? And Adam, what did I say? What was Guess the first what? thing that came to mind? Ladies and gentlemen, McNutted, hit it. Stay in Arizona. We saw a good thing. Don't ruin it. So him absolutely. staying, I think, is absolutely big, man. It was it was a good call by you, and I think it was a good decision by him and the Cardinals. Huge, huge, huge for the Arizona Cardinals to be able to secure him. 
he did have a great rapport. There's some stat going out there since the the he got traded too. I want to say he was like tight end three or something like that on the year. I'll have to look up the specifics again to jog my memory. But anyways, long and short of it, he performed very well once he got traded to Arizona, started building a nice rapport with Kyler Murray. They're going to need him. And best case scenario for him, go back, run it back again. So I really like him in Dynasty, especially on that. You don't really want to touch him on a rebuilder. But if you're in a contender, I mean, if you were getting Zach Ertz for a third-round pick, like I saw in some of these leagues, good for you. Like these tight end premium leagues, heck of a steal. You're going to get another year or two out of him for sure. Let's talk about – we talked about Kiwoo and Jones and some of their favorite favorite guys that they kept mentioning. Chase Edmonds goes to Miami. James Conner resigns with Arizona. Anything you really wanted to touch on with these two guys? I know they're they're not the most exciting for you and I. I don't really have strong feelings personally, but I don't know if there's anything floating around there you wanted to let the listeners know about your opinion on James Conner back with the Cardinals. Chase Edmonds signing with the Dolphins. It's not a super hot topic I want to spend a lot of time on. I'll say this. Zach Ertz, first of all, a definite on a contender. If you are trying to fill tight end in the tight end premium league, you don't have a lot of assets or you don't want to spend up for one. Zach Ertz is a good target. Honestly, that's a good target for that type of a build. When we talk about Edmonds and we talk about uh, Connor, Listen, what they paid Connor, I think they're going to try to use him a lot. I don't know why they paid him all that. Three years, I mean, it's – I'm not going to touch the GM NFL side of it. But if his body can take the abuse, it's not someone I'm investing heavily into at all by any means. But, hell, I mean, early part of the season, he might get work and might be halfway decent like we saw last year. Um, Chase Edmonds to Miami, I'll say this. If they don't get someone else in that backfield, if they don't draft a guy, if they don't sign someone else, or if it's if it's looks like the Chase Edmonds show in Miami, I caution everybody here. Do not, in redraft or in dynasty, over-invest into him as this workhorse for Miami. You're, you're going to hate it. I promise it will not happen to the level that could be hyped up if he is the running back in Miami. Yeah, I had to poke uh, poke Mr. Matty Kiwoom there just a little bit too because not too <laughs> long ago, maybe an hour ago, Raheem Mostert, former San Francisco running back, signed with Miami under Mike McDaniel in that system. So it is what it is. I'm not touting Raheem Mostert either. Ugh. I'm just saying you can already kind of see the pieces are falling into play where it's like this is going to be the same dog shit that we came to know and love in San Francisco where – it's a different guy every week. <laughs> yeah. Hell, they might try to trade for Jeff Wilson too, right? Just, oh, just, don't. Just really clutter that shit up. Just make it really gross. Yep. I'm, I'm sure there's probably a signing or two we missed out there, but those were the big ones that came to mind. Just giving you some instant reaction and our, our thoughts, you know, stock up, stock down. It is what it is. There's not a lot of big names that got traded outside of the Deshaun Watson. That kind of has some pretty big ripple effects coming. Russell Wilson last week, the Calvin Ridley thing really kind of shocked everybody. And then Amari Cooper. But we'll keep it moving. Hopefully we'll see some more signings. I know like Juju and Allen Robinson are still hanging around. Those are guys that are kind of interesting to see where they land and on what teams they land with. And like, do the Chiefs actually do something for their second wide receiver position or do they just keep – throwing out Byron Pringle and Mecole Hardman and <laughs> right. re-signing Josh Gordon and making people, you know, get, get excited, pick them up off a of waiver. So 
I think that'll probably cover the uh, the free agency recap, and let's get into what we really came to talk about here, what we're really excited to get into. And this is going to be a, a startup dynasty strategy episode. This is what we want to cover. Adam and I are in the process of two of them, one of them in the later stages, one of them in the early stages, right? And I think we both took some of the things that we did last year that that weren't correct, or maybe it was a flaw in our process. And we both corrected them and tweaked them this year. Right. And I, the overall theme of this is going to be just staying very fluid with what you want to do in your startup. Right. And, yes. and kind of letting yes. the, the league, the other people who are drafting, not necessarily dictate, but influence the direction that you're going to go. Right. I think the worst case scenario is to go into a startup going, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this, like planning out what you're going to do in the startup and not staying fluid with opportunities that may present themselves. So we're going to dive into a league that we did with our Patreons, patreon.com forward slash South Harmon. Come be a shithead with us. But this is a shithead patron league. And you and I can both admit going into this, we figured because they have access to our rankings they listen to everything we do. We give them an extra two-hour podcast every single week. And we have the Discord where we're always talking strategy, etc. We figured the draft was going to play out a very different way than the way it actually did, right? We figured like, yeah. man, I'm going to get sniped at every turn. The guys I want aren't going to be there. People are going to go ahead and like just trade back all the time and cre- you know get all the draft capital, you know, create that that value monsters on their team where they're just loaded with future draft capital that's not really the way it went which was very surprising to me so yeah did you have some of those same like expectations going into it i don't want to speak too much for you but i know for me i was like oh this is gonna be rough everybody knows what the hell i'm doing i might have to shock the world here and go different (laughs) absolutely i mean that that part was gonna be interesting for me seeing how people that listen to us and talk in the discord with us all the time, they kind of get an idea of our mindset and what we want to do. And we're drafting with all those, those people. Right. So they, they value what we say and they like a lot of the things we do. So some of the little stunts and moves that Mike and I would do with people that don't know us ahead of time, we aren't necessarily sure how that's going to play out. But what's interesting is exactly what Mike said is I think one of the biggest keys in going into a startup, this is startup season, right? From now until the the actual NFL season starts in September, there's going to be so many startups across the country. And Ray's going to have them in the Destination Devi. You can get into a a squad league, right? You can come to our shit show patron league, get into a a league there. You're going to be able to get into so many leagues. So understanding what is the best way to attack those. Well, like Mike just hit it on the head. Being fluid, understanding that like one thing that you don't want to do is go into the startup and say, I want to do this, this or this. Right. Because if you go in and you say, I want to I just want to rebuild, like I'm just I want to be youthful in this startup. You don't know how everyone else is going to draft. You don't know how everyone else is going to trade what they're going to value. You could actually force yourself into a hole because the value is on going to win now because everybody else had that same thought process too. So a lot of it's observing how the board's going, right? When is the right time to maybe make a trade if I want to do that? And I think it goes to a big point here, Mike, where 
I think when you think about this, right, I think a lot of time we talk about, if you go back and listen to our other episodes, you listen to, you know, 40 Cheshire League mates. You listen to Going Fishing in the Dark, right? You listen to Jonathan Taylor Built Different. In these episodes, we talk about understanding startup values, how that applies to all the players, understanding your league mates, and then also how you're going to trade. All, all these are about trading and in, in the dynamics of your leagues in certain points. So in Going Fishing in the Dark, Mike, we talk about startups, right? We talk about what each startup pick is worth. All right. And I kind of want to get into this here because especially in startups, when it's actually happening, this is something I think that needs to be talked about. We, a lot of times we'll, we'll trade a pick. Let's just use a random pick, for example, um, 312. Okay. Let's just talk about the 312. Let's just randomly. That's the pick we'll talk about. Okay. The 312. Yeah. When you trade the 312, if it's ahead of time, right? That pick, you can go to our, our, if you sign up for our Patreon, we have a heat map, a heat value map based on a startup table. 312 for us, Mike, it's roughly that two generic rookie first value, right? Understanding all the startup values and all that. But if you trade the pick before you're on the clock, you're basically going to value it as that. But I think a lot of times what can happen is if you get if you're trading the 312 and now you're on the clock and all of a sudden you're thinking the players that can go at 312 but let's say someone like Brees Hall makes it to 312 you're no longer trading just the 312 which is that two generic first you're now trading Brees Hall who we think based on current ADP is more like an early third and I think is going to be consistently drafted in the second round at least in a lot of these startups I need two first plus to come off of Brees Hall. You're not trading just 312 there. You'd be trading off of Brees Hall, right? And so sometimes little subtle points like that need to be thought about. It's not just what the 312 is worth. I always find, too, it doesn't matter if it's in a startup or a rookie draft. The actual pick number, just the number, always gets devalued. Always. Yes, yes, always. yes. People have a hard time going through and, and putting it into your head, like what that pick may end up being. In the scenarios you're talking about, especially in a startup, sometimes some wild shit happens, right? And things we couldn't, you're just one drafter. If, if you're in a startup draft, you're just one drafter and there's 11 other people. You can't control how they value everybody. and You only get one shot at it every round, right? To kind of flex your muscles so there are very good players that you may be very high on that in any other draft wouldn't fall but all of a sudden now like adam said they're Brees hall has fallen to the 312 and you're going what he's this is like rb12 off the board what the hell are we doing this what, is yeah crazy. what happened yes so there's kind of two ways to do it adam some people like to wait until they're on the clock yep. and you can kind of tell that they're they don't like the options that are in front of them Right. They're they're not feeling. Oh, this picks on the block now. Well, yeah, of course it is. Like I see the board, too. (laughs) There's there's not a lot of people that that you like on on the block. Uh, On the board, anyways. Yeah, we we, I thought I thought I thought Brees Hall was going to make it. Oh, he went like three picks ago. Shoot. I don't really want to make this pick. Uh, It's on the block. So 
I think for us, especially, I like to take advantage of the fact that I can trade just for generic pick numbers and people don't think about them. They don't yes. think about the fact that people, it is a little bit risky, but if you just start with a baseline of this is what I'm willing to give up in my mind, this is what startup picks are worth. This is what I'm going to trade for. And I'm going to roll the dice and see if there's a good chance, something better than what I think is going to be there. But I'm going to trade for it as worst case scenario. If I'm doing my math right and kind of adding up ADP and my rankings, this is about who's going to be in this range. Am I comfortable trading for that? Yeah. Best case scenario, it's like, holy shit, Brees all fell to me. How could this be even possible? So I like to make those deals before the picks even come up. Like, hey, let me trade for future picks in this startup and see what happens. A lot of times, like I mentioned too, like those people panic when they get on the clock because the things aren't there. That's also a good time to like, hey, let me slide in these DMs, right? Like I can kind of tell that you're not really feeling this. Let me see if I can get a guy that I like here for cheaper than what he should be, right? Because you're kind of panicking. So for us, we went into this draft and we start drafting and it's kind of wild, right? The, the, the quarterback run was extremely hard to start, start the draft, which it usually is in super flex. I just didn't picture it to this extent, right? First seven picks, all quarterbacks, bang, 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 right? All of them, every single one of them. And once you know it, a guy that we have as RB1, clear cut, sitting on the board at 1-8. Yep. Now, this is a third round reversal draft. So just a quick nugget for you. If you get into a dynasty startup and it's third round reversal, pick the back half. This will pick the back half. If you get the option number 12, number 11, number 10, those are all picks that I really want. Because in third round reversal, it's such an advantage to sit at the back and just let the value fall to you. Now, if, you, if you're one of those people that really likes, you know, the Patrick Mahomes, the Josh Allen, okay, you know, do your thing. I won't fight you. Just from Adam and I's perspective, I prefer to sit at the back, right, and just let other people make mistakes, and then I'll just capitalize them as the picks come to me, right? I think you and I both, you sat 112, I sat 111, right? Just how it worked out. We both wanted the back, but we didn't like picking right next to each other. Yeah, I, I never like picking next to you. It hurts me. Neither do I. Because <laughs> we found you stuff <laughs> the same way. We're, 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 we're thinking the same people. So I'm sitting 111. Jonathan Taylor's still on the board at 108. And anybody who listens to anything I say knows me, knows how I dynasty. Adam, I hate tearing up, buddy. I, I don't like it. But I will up tier if the price is right. So if I'm looking at 111, 112, I think it's a pretty fair assessment to say that if Jonathan Taylor still hasn't come off the board at 108 yet, Javante Williams, Najee Harris, Devon, uh, DeAndre Swift, all guys that I'm really high on at the running back position are going to be there at the, the late spot, right? So this is where I go into the deal, offering the guy at the 108, knowing that I'm sitting on a potential RB2, RB3, RB4 range. I'm going to get one of these guys. I'd really like to go get Jonathan Taylor and up tier. What's the cost? And it ends up being that the cost is only, you know, trading back from the, the five, uh, 502 to the 505, the 705 or 702 to the 705 and flipping them a 23 second and a 23 third yeah. to move up three spot. In my mind, that's a, a crazy tier up. I love DeAndre Swift. I love Najee Harris. I love Javante Williams. 
Right. I think the gap is more than just a couple round, uh, you know, a couple spot trade out trade backs in the same round and a second, a third pick, right? That's just kind of whatever. So I go ahead and make that deal because it gets accepted. Holy hell. All right. Now I'm sitting on Jonathan Taylor. The, at this point in the draft, I haven't made up my mind on what direction I'm going. I have one elite asset. And if I still want to rebuild and dumpster rebuild, what better running back to have to try to flip to somebody than Jonathan Taylor, right? It's a guy everybody wants. Now, enough about me. We'll get to you. You're sitting at 112. You see this happen. What's going through your thought process now at the 112? Like I just traded up, got Jonathan Taylor. The guy traded back to the 111. He's got that pick now. So Jamar Chase comes off the board at 1-9, Javante at 110, and Justin Jefferson, kind of to our surprise, because we don't ever really preach wide receivers that much, goes in the first round, goes at 111. Were you yeah, thinking that a guy like DeAndre Swift was going to be there like this whole time? Were you kind of doing the math in your head and counting it up? Yeah, so I think this is where like being fluid is such a big thing. I mean, you you don't know. Even if you think you know who you're drafting with, you're not you can't be a hundred percent sure what's gonna happen with the drafters you're drafting with, what they're gonna trade like, what they are going to draft ultimately. And in in our patron league, there's no way in the world I would have thought that two receivers, albeit they're really good ones, Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. You we've talked about this quite a bit actually on our 40 chess podcast on the dynasty trade show, whatever it was that we don't really like to utilize a pick that high on that position just because it's run so deep. So when I see Jamar chase and Jefferson go off at one, nine, one 11, I'm salivating right now. It's like, okay, I have multiple ways I can go to me. I took Deandre Swift who's easily my running back too in dynasty. Mike is correct though. There's a big gap between him and Jonathan Taylor. And if I can get him for a couple trade backs in the fifth and seventh, and if I can, you know, throw a 23 second essentially as the main piece to go make that happen, it's worth it, even in best ball. But the other thing, too, when we talk about that Jonathan Taylor built different episode, right? Understanding your league. When you go into startups, one of the first things you should do, we talked about, go back and listen to that episode. I don't want to spend a bunch of time on this doing the same thing that we talked about in the Jonathan Taylor built different, but it's looking at the settings, understanding what the format is, is it best ball lineup, shallow or deep starters, how people score at certain positions. You need to do that when you get into your startups, because that does, that should affect how you rank and draft people. And this league is a start 14, Mike, and it's best ball. That is about as deep as it gets in starters. And that is also because it's best ball. That means the skill players really matter. And as much as I love a lot of the quarterbacks there in that range, there was no way I was letting Swift and Pitts not, not be mine right there. And there was a couple people that were interested in the pick and I, you were going to have to pay me something way too much. And I just went ahead and made those two selections. Yeah, I think as much as you love the quarterbacks, we obviously hit a tear break there at the end of the, the first round, right? Because if seven quarterbacks go, you know, Dak Prescott went 107, right? After that, do you feel as good about the next group of quarterbacks? Do you like them, but do you really want to take them at the top, at the end of the first round, top of the second round? I'm with full agreement with there. 
I would be swimming in joy if I have my choice of DeAndre Swift, Kyle Pitts, <laughs> Najee Harris was still there, right? You right. could have easily double tapped running back if you want. I thought about it too. I mean, that was the thing, like I said, because those two wide receivers went, now I had like decisions to make. What do we do, Mike? All right. So general, we'll keep it moving here, but both of us have made our first selections. I haven't given <laughs> up anything or picked a direction yet. And neither have you. You've kept Rip. yourself fluid, right? You can easily trade these two assets down yeah. the road. Real quick, I did want to touch on one thing you hit on too before you move on is I think this was really big, what you just said. And this is why I think sometimes people, they question if we have certain youth running backs very high in our rankings. They haven't necessarily shown it on the field, right? And I, I, what you hit on, I want to just dive into quickly a little deeper. And when we do our rankings, if you go watch on our patron um, live streams, we talk about our rankings. We talk about why we do what we do. And I just want to talk about this real quick, Mike, because yeah. if you in a startup, okay, let, this is not necessarily a specific pick. I just want to use a quick example. If you're in a startup and in the second round and in the third round, you took CMC, Christian McCaffrey in the second, and then in the third, let's say you took Dalvin Cook, right? Based on ADPs, those are where those guys are going to go. But if you do that, and if you do it unnecessarily, you've really kind of forced your hand as far as like you're going to want to build the rest of everything you do on a win now basis. And that's because of what you did in the second and third round where I'm not going to say it's always going to be the case that you can do this. But let's use a different example in the second round. If you took Javante and in the third round, if you took Brees Hall. You could still, with those that tandem of running backs, you still have the ability to, if the draft falls to you the correct way, you can win now with those two running backs, Mike, right? Yeah, yeah. But you're not forced to do that based on how the board falls. And that ultimately, when we talk about how we do our rankings and tier breaks and tiebreakers, right, we sit and we ask ourselves, Mike and I both, in a startup, who would you take? In the in more often than not, if it's close, we're going to err on the side of youth because it gives you so many more outs and the ability to pivot out so much differently down the road. If you end up taking those running backs, Mike, Brees and Javante, and then you say uh, this team's not really ready to win right now after the startup finishes, you can trade those to almost every single team in your league. If you took the CMC and the Cook side the only people that really want to buy those are going to be the contending teams. So it just, it makes you so much more rigid early. I'm not saying that if the board, I'm not saying don't draft CMC. I'm not saying don't draft cook and startups. What I'm saying is do not, that's why we value the youth pieces higher. And that's why earlier in the startup, we like those other guys because it keeps you more flexible in the future with how you make your other picks. Absolutely. That is so key too, because you have to remember there's 11 other people in your league. How valuable is Dalvin Cook to those 11 people? Well, if they're kind of going a productive struggle or rebuild, they don't want Dalvin Cook. They don't want him at all. Like they, they might give you a second round pick for Dalvin Cook just in the hopes they'll take him on and then try to flip him to somebody else and make a quick buck, a quick pop profit, be a day trader. But they're not giving you anything significant for Dalvin Cook out of fears they're going to get stuck with Dalvin Cook and it's – it's antithetical to what they're trying to fucking do. So exactly 
keep that keep that part in mind. Like Adam said, I'm not saying you you don't take them. You, if they fall to a, a spot where the value is just too damn good, go ahead, scoop them up, and then see what you can do in trade. But you just need to be cognizant that once you make that selection, who in your league is realistically going to trade for them? If, if there's a three or four teams that are making a contender push, you can kind of see it playing out. Sure. You might be able to take Dalvin Cook and then, all right, I'm going to flip him to this guy because I know he's competing. He could use running back help. Cool. But also keep in mind, there might be six other teams that have no fucking interest in Dalvin Cook whatsoever, right? You've just, you've ruined, your market right. is, is very small. Where if you yes. lean on the youth side, for the most part, because there are some situations, right? There are some situations. For the most part, a youthful running back is appealing to just about everybody. And if it's not appealing to them this year, maybe in the second year of their productive struggle, that's when it becomes appealing. And that's where you can flip them. What's Dalvin Cook worth to that guy next year? Practically nothing. He could really give a shit less. So that's a massive point. But we're through the first round. You've made your first pick. I'm on the clock right now, right? You're still young. All I've done is give up a second and a third and 23, not really hamstrung myself from future draft capital. Neither one of our directions have really been picked, right? I made a trade up in the first round. I get an offer to trade back in the second round from the 202. Yep. And I get, I go back to the 207. I move up from the 411 to the 307. And I move up from the 611 to the 602. So this is a key thing for me, especially because this is a best ball league. If I want to be a contender and it's start 14 and best ball, We've talked about it before. Depth is so damn important. I want all the depth. I want all the shots that guys getting in my lineup as possible. And I need 14 damn starters. So not when I'm doing these trades, I'm trying not to give up like a fifth round pick or a sixth round startup pick or a seventh or eighth or ninth or 10th round startup pick because those are important assets to me. I'm going to need them to help fill out my roster. I'm not going to include them in the deals. Like it needs to be, if I'm going to do a deal, it needs to be a three for three, or I need to be picking up an extra startup pick somewhere. Right. If I was going to go in the rebuilding side, that part really doesn't matter to me. I'm just trying to get young assets, valuable assets and future draft capital and just stack them. So I make this deal to move back. It really doesn't swing me one way or another to rebuild or contender. Right. I just move back a few spots and I move up in a couple other rounds. So at the two Oh two, the guy takes Deshaun Watson and we just talked about it a little bit. I think that's probably about where Deshaun Watson should start going now because this came out after, you know, his uh, not being indicted on his case. So that's good. I moved back to the 207. Christian McCaffrey is still on the board at 27. Now this is where I start to kind of make a play. We just talked about, you can take the older running back assets and still flip them later. I thought Christian McCaffrey was a good enough running back asset where if I want to compete, it's a great pick. If I don't want to compete, he's still a big enough name and on the youthful side, it's still valuable where I think I could flip him to a contender and get a haul. So it was a clear cut choice for me to take Christian McCaffrey there. Pretty easy. Like just, just go, I'll just load up a JT start with a Christian McCaffrey. I haven't picked a direction yet. But I have two valuable pieces if I want to move on and rebuild or however this draft starts to play out, I'll go there. Let's jump ahead to the 3-1 because this is third round reversal. You're on the clock. 
Who do you end up taking at the three one, Adam? Go ahead, Mike. Tell him, man. Tell him who I took. Go ahead. You took you took our boy Antonio Gibson, and I just want to point out it's it's Wednesday the sixteenth, and JD McKissick is still being a pain in the ass. <laughs> and he is being a pain in the ass in a different way, but the same way. Yeah, different but same. <laughs> but same. Yeah, it's still the same. <laughs> we thought he was leaving, and I guess he's coming back. Either way, I I like Antonio Gibson. Him being there doesn't make me feel as great, but I still don't hate Antonio Gibson like some other people do. So Antonio Gibson still being on the board at 3-1, I like it for you. You take another youthful running back. You still haven't picked a direction, right? You're not pot committed. You can still go multiple ways. You started DeAndre Swift, Kyle Pitts, Antonio Gibson. If you want to go contender with this roster, I like it. You got some really nice pieces right here. Not bad. Not bad at all. Any, do you have any hesitation or anything? Were you getting any offers about trading that pick back? Was that appealing to anybody? So at 301, I got a couple offers, but it was not to the point where it made sense to me. Um, when I'm at 301, I'm sitting there thinking, especially in start 14, right? Because of what you talked about earlier. And, and all this is, we're using this as an example of this startup, okay? But listeners, I want you to think about this. You don't know what's going to happen in your startups. We're trying to give you our 4D mindset of how to navigate the waters. And because like what Mike talked about where, Mike, it wasn't just the first seven went quarterback, right? I mean, you know, Watson, Lance, Lawrence, Fields, Wilson, Stafford, Malik Willis. Or I'm sorry, Malik Willis did not, but Stafford all went before so it's like now I'm sitting there and it's like I can't in start 14 as much as I would love to have that security at quarterback all those guys are gone right so it's like how do yeah. I truthfully do I do I take my shot and get risky with the quarterback that it's it's now we're getting into the questionable territory with quarterback or do I say I believe in the talent of Antonio Gibson still whether McKissick's there or not I think if he's healthy and they utilize him the correct way, he's one of the running backs that's in the youth mindset, but also could be a very good points per game running back. So I still, though, while I do this, I like Swift, I like Pitts, I like Gibson all as contending assets, but it doesn't force my hand to where I have to make contending picks all the way through, right? So, so yeah, at this point, I, I haven't really picked a direction. It hasn't – I haven't forced my hand with Swift, with Pitts, with Gibson. But I can contend with those pieces. So, the reason I went with Gibson ultimately was that. And, you know, I, I still at this point am willing to see what the board's going to bring me. Now, in third round reversal, I'm at 301. I'm not going to be back on the board till 412, 501. And that's a long way to sit. But I feel really good about my first three picks. I, I completely understand exactly where you were coming from. I don't know how much of it is we just kind of see things the same, but you're right. Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and the one that broke my my heart, my back, was Russell Wilson coming off at the 2-9. Yes. Right before, you know, we about to hit that third round reversal. Yes. So I'm sitting at 3-2. I really don't like any of these quarterbacks. I kind of have a feeling right now just judging by the way people are drafting with all these receivers, Brees Hall went at the end of the second round. People are really leaning on the youth side. 
quite a bit, and they're leaning very quarterback heavy. I started with JT and Christian McCaffrey. I have two picks in the third round for my trade back earlier. Correct. Actually, I have three picks. In two, no, two picks. Two picks in this two round picks. as of right yes. now. As of right Before now. Before the trade, have, yeah. Yeah, I have two picks in this round as of right now. I take Jalen Hurts. I'm not a big Jalen Hurts fan. Anybody who knows me knows I'm very critical of Jalen Hurts. But he produces. I'm kind of thinking maybe he's young enough where I can still kind of be like that halfway crook, you know, that that foot halfway in the door, right, on the contending. But maybe I can still go rebuild because of the use. So that's where I go. My next pick comes up. And I figured, you know what the hell? Let me try to let me try to go more on the youthful side, right? Maybe signal to everybody that I'm going youthful. In worst case scenario, I'll be able to trade this guy later when the hype starts to build. And that's Malik Willis, the second rookie off the board. At three seven seems kind of spicy, but I think this might be the end, kind of in that middle of the third round. That might be a lot of places where he goes, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And Malik <laughs> Willis is still one of those tantalizing prospects because the quarterback has really fallen off. There's not much left. So when you took him there, I knew exactly what you were trying to do. And without getting too far ahead of ourselves here, Mike, this is where, where we're heading with this is if you go in with a forced mindset of what you're going to do in your startup, yeah, 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 you're going to miss the opportunity that Mike took advantage of. Unfortunately, I had not positioned myself with trades to do what Mike did. But Mike took advantage of the fact that the large majority of drafters were trying to do the same thing. So it it posed the opportunity that he's going to exploit as we walk through this of, I don't really love building a contender in March, but if you're going to let me do it at this type of cost, yes, I, w- I would like to build a contender right now, please. Where it came to fruition is I take Malik Willis. The guy at 3-8 wants to trade his pick. Doesn't really like, maybe doesn't like what's on the board. Hasn't really made a direction yet. Nobody's really leaned into the productive struggle, rebuild, trade back, gets a bunch of first round picks, right? Like we normally do. Nobody, nobody was privy to that. Adam, if we could have done that, we would have done it already, right? Yeah. But we kind of had a feeling nobody in this league was going to let us do that because we've done it so many damn times to other people. This is where I made my decision. If nobody's doing it and nobody's going to let me do it at this point, that means I could be the guy who's going to trade up and try to push these chips into the table. And I don't like doing it in March, but if I get to do it at such a low cost that makes sense, I'm happy with it, right? So I end up trading my 24 first, my 23 first and my 24 second to move up and just buy pick three, eight outright. Yes. And then because it's a start 14 best ball, I also get a 1208. Right. In return, yeah. a 1205. 1205. Yeah. 12th round pick. And that was, Mike just hit on something very key there, right? That was, all right. I have sent, my next two years of first, because this is the 22 season we're drafting for. So 23 and 24 futures are the next two years because I sent those. And because I went and got the 308 and the 1205. Now, now you're in a position where what you're going to do is you still want to draft youth when possible, but you're also everything you're doing 
from this point forward now is an effort to win now because you've lost all your futures. But Michael, Michael walk you through how we navigate, how he navigates. And because this mindset was by the majority, he was able to make more and more moves to make this thing ready to go. We had made this, this heat map for the patrons, right? where we did a startup heat map, but just generically kind of how we value startup picks in a super flex tight end premium league, right? And on that heat map, when I was going through it, I put the 308 at two first value, right? So the guys that are going around that range in this draft would be Joe Mixon, Matt Stafford, Jalen Waddell, DK Metcalf, J.K. Dobbins, Malik Willis, Saquon Barkley, like kind of in that range. So I'm going to pay two first, future first, right, for the 308. And I pay a second. For the – I get the uh, the 308 and I get the 1205 back, right? The 1205 on that heat map is just kind of a generic second in value in future, for, in future draft capital value. So it's really just even on both sides, judging by our heat map. Now, you can argue it however you, you feel like, but that was just our feelings when we made this up. This makes sense to us. So I really just kind of broke even. But the key thing is I get another piece of the 12th. I just basically get a free second-round player for my push to be a contender. And I get to get another win-now kind of piece. And with that win-now piece at 3-8, I just lean in and I go Joe Mixon. So now I have Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, Joe Mixon, and Jalen Hurts, along with my quote-unquote trade piece in Malik Willis, which I just took, hoping that once we get out of the draft, the NFL draft happens, you know, you get a landing spot, maybe some of the hype really kind of built around him, and I'll be able to flip him for a little bit of a haul and some really old, crusty, win-now pieces and, and just push it in, right? Fill out my QB2 with some dumpster fire and then get a couple more wide receivers or whatever the hell I want to do, right? Yeah, absolutely. So at this point, I've kind of picked a direction on what I want to do, right? I have pushed the chips in. We're going win now. I don't like to do it, but I'm the first one to make that commitment. And one of the things we've talked about before, this usually comes with the caveat of in-season, but if you're going to rebuild, be the first to rebuild. If you're going to contend, be the first to contend. I don't like doing that contend thing in March because so much shit can happen. But the general acquisition cost that I've paid so far isn't that detrimental to me. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't mortgaged everything to go get it. Yes, I've, I've given up future draft capital, but I've gotten assets where if I need to get out of these guys, I can get out of them for draft capital pretty easy, right? None of these guys are super turds. Joe Mixon is probably the least valuable piece that I have. People will still pay a haul for Christian McCaffrey. People will still pay a haul, especially for Jonathan Taylor. People are going to pay a haul for Malik Willis. And Jalen Hurts, it's kind of 50-50, right? There, there are some Jalen Hurts believers out there, but if I need to blow this thing up, a contender, best ball, Jalen Hurts is going to look very appealing to them as a quarterback because of that rushing upside. So that's what happened in the third round. I don't have any picks in the fourth round because it was part of that deal where I moved up from the fourth round to the third round in the trade back earlier. You get to the fourth round. We go through all of this, all the way back to the fourth round. You ended up trading up from the 412 to the 48. 
do you kind of want to just walk people through why you did that move? Like, what was your feeling at the time? And do you regret it? So hindsight's always twenty twenty. Looking at how the board went, I wouldn't have made the move knowing what I know now. That's not always how it works when you're on the clock. But do I regret it? Not, I didn't like give up anything crazy. I made a few pick swaps up, and I swapped a third and fourth in 2023. So it was one of those where the cost of acquisition, I said, you know what, I'll go ahead and move up a few spots. Because at that point, like I talked about, when I went 112, 201, 301, I hadn't picked a quarterback and we're getting to almost the fifth round. And it's like, I'm just not willing in my patron league, Mike, at this point to bend the knee. If everybody decides to take (laughs) all the quarterbacks and I'm like, you know what, at this price, if I can move up to 407 and just secure Tua, who I know is not a world beater, but in a format like this, start 14, he's good enough for me, whether it's quarterback one or quarterback two spot to where he's not detrimental to everything else that I build. Right. So I made the small trade up to go get to a, it didn't end up being that a quarterback run was on the, on the horizon. So it, hindsight 2020, I wouldn't have made the move, but I didn't, I don't, I don't feel horrible about it. I think this draft to this point, right. has kind of been like a weird one. And this is where we're getting into like being fluid in the draft. You made a calculated gamble because you thought there would be a quarterback run. I think if you know hindsight is always twenty twenty, but if you kind of go back and look at some of the directions people were already choosing, I don't think that quarterback run was going to happen. Right? People people were were so heavy on quarterbacks in the first three rounds that it almost made it improbable to have a heavy quarterback run in the fifth round, like we usually see. Yeah, and you're you're right to that point. The, the issue that I was having was I saw at that point already multiple teams taking three. Yeah. So, and we preach and we talked about if you're going to lean into it, lean into it. So at that point, like I definitely see how it, I got out the way I it got did, you. Yep. but I could, I was not, especially not going to see a bunch of teams have a plethora that ATM needs to come buy them from. I wasn't willing to do that. This is where too, like if you're going to do the QB horde, like I see what you're talking about with the, the few guys out there who did already take three through four rounds, three quarterbacks right. through four rounds. Right. Their mistake is they didn't continue to lean into it. Right. Correct. Correct. Like, like Correct. You, if you're going to do it, do it all the way. Yeah. You, you got to go into it. That fourth round, your, your first round is a quarterback. Your second round is a quarterback. Your third round is a quarterback. You best believe that fourth round needs to be a fucking quarterback. Lean into that shit if you're going to do it and get those good guys in the fourth round. Like we got, we got one that started Murray, Russ Wilson, Matt Stafford. In a best ball, it's kind of redundant to already go that. So that's signaling me that you want to do like the QB horde or like trade for value. So if you're going to do it, why not go in the fourth round and take like Matt Corral or Mac Jones or Tua, you know? And, and kind of lean into that. But I get what you're saying. And that like was that where that, that, that's a good point you just made too, Mike, because there's a couple things I really want to get into that you touched on a little bit deeper. And that's when you start thinking about this, right? This goes back to being flexible. And because I think I really believe this, Mike, when I, when you look back at the board here and, and Dynasty Degenerates listeners, this is a key thing to think about. 
everybody that listens to this podcast, to Ray GQ, the large majority of us are so tapped in that we're going to value youth and we're sharper than the average person that's playing Dynasty. All right. Reason I want to bring that up is here in this league, Mike, I think what was really happening, especially because they listened to us, they listened to Ray, they're tapped into the correct people. Everybody was trying to go in the same rebuild direction. A lot of them, because of all the stuff we talk about, were, were somewhat forcing that. Not necessarily over the moon about it, because they weren't making a bunch of trades to do that, but they also weren't there because everybody else was trying to do the same thing. So what you started to see is that Mike is moving up for small pieces, right? Little pieces that are not all overly significant because we know that this is a deep roster, best ball that we've talked about. And because everyone on this in this draft, for the most part, a dynasty degenerate that's on the sharper you side. So if you're not flexible, you are not able to do what Mike ended up doing, which is getting a lot of these older crusty people at a discount and make trades, trade away Malik Willis for a haul because of all this youth movement. So, so being flexible is, I think a really big key there. And I think what you hit on too is very, very key, especially in this, right? If you see that the large majority of the league you're in is one way or the other, this one happened to be because of the people that were drafting. A lot of people had that same rebuild youth movement mindset, but I think if you're doing home leagues or a lot of other leagues, you might see the, the converse of that. You may see, the crustier, old, go-win-now type guys moving off the board in that startup. One of the things that Mike did is because he was moving around and taking the opposite of what people wanted to do, everyone else sees, oh, Mike is actually making moves to win now, and I want to rebuild. And because I want to rebuild so bad, I'm letting Mike make trades to win now at a discount. And because of all that was dynamics that happened in the startup that's why mike ultimately was able to build what he's done now <laughs> will this thing be what wins the title or not it's way too early to tell but the point is being flexible allowed him to make the moves that he made and ultimately what we're trying to bring home to everyone on 4d the 4d navigation of a startup is sizing up what's happening and being flexible to do either either way that presents itself to you. Yeah, so you are still kind of in that uh, rebuild youth movement, right? Where you're staying flexible in what you want to do, right? Yeah. And exactly what you mentioned, everybody in this league seemed to kind of want to go that route as well. Correct. Which is why when you picked at 5-1, you picked Isaiah Spiller. That was the sixth rookie off the board already at, at the beginning of the fifth round. Right. What? I'm not saying it's wrong, but that kind of gives you an idea of like how, how valuable these 22 picks in the class everybody shit on. Fifth round, the sixth one is already coming off the board. Right. Yeah. yeah. You 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 stay on that youth side. ETN comes off the very next pick. Zach Wilson, another youthful pick. This one right here at 5-4, Devontae Adams came off, which kind of I was like, man, if I could get Devontae Adams on a win-now team as my first wide receiver in the fifth round, I'll be set. I start looking at the board, and I'm taking stock of all of this, Adam. I'm, I'm looking at all of it. Man, this is so youth-heavy. 
nobody's really valuing any of these old guys. At the 5'5", five, five, Devontae Adams just broke my heart, but it's actually a blessing in disguise. It's a start 14 with, what do we got, five flexes? Two running backs, five flex. I think you could start seven running backs, eight running backs. I don't even know what the hell. How many running backs? I think backs it's, it's two running backs, three receivers. It's it's either five or it might be even six regular flexes, Mike. Oh my gosh. Yeah, deep. <laughs> so I take Austin Eckler in the fifth round, still sitting there. I don't like old running backs. That's not my thing. But apparently nobody else does. So if you're just gonna let me have it, cool. At the five ten. The guy takes Alvin Kamara, and I try to trade up to the 510, right? I try to make a deal. I told you guys I wanted to unload Malik Willis down the road. I didn't think the opportunity was going to present itself already in the damn draft three rounds later. He responds to me, oh, I didn't see your trade offer. I took Alvin Kamara, my bad. And I go, that's cool. Like, I still like Alvin Kamara. All right, well, if you like Alvin Kamara, send the same deal again. So I send him Malik Willis. For Alvin Kamara, which was the 5'10", and the 6'3", right? Yep. At the 6'2", Derrick Henry is still on the board. So now I have taken Derrick Henry at the 6'2", Alvin Kamara at the 5'10", and finally at the 6'3", which was part of the Malik Willis trade. I'm like, you know, I probably need to do something other than running back at this this point. This is a .75 tight end premium, right? I finally need to do something other than running back at this time. How the hell is Darren Waller in a 0.75 tight end premium still sitting here? Oh, yeah, he's old and he's been devalued by so many people in the league. That's why he's here. Right. So through six rounds, I've built a team of Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, Jalen Hurts, Joe Mixon, Austin Eckler, Alvin Kamara, Derek Henry, and Darren Waller. Through six rounds, everybody has valued youth. And this is what I want to preach to everybody. Exactly what Adam said. Stay fluid in your drafts. Open up to new opportunities that come to you. Don't go in with a set plan. Let the draft happen to you. You can try to execute as best you want in the first or second rounds if you really like to trade back. But you don't have to force it. If nobody's going to let you do it. Maybe take stock of the draft board in the second, third, fourth round and kind of see, oh, shit, everybody's really valuing youth. Or like Adam said, in your home leagues, it might be the exact opposite. Everybody might be valuing the Dalvin Cooks and the Austin Ecklers and the Derrick Henrys. And it's the youth picks that keep dropping. And those may be the things that you try to acquire or move up or move back or whatever the case may be. But stay fluid. Like, I don't know if this team is going to win, right? This isn't a to sit here and roster bait about how great the roster is. I wanted to give a real example. Adam wanted to give a real example of two different strategies both of us had. And Adam sat there and just kept taking the youth and keeping himself flexible. And there's a bunch of different ways he can go. He's probably not where we are now, just a spoiler alert, not going to push in and try to win a championship this year. But... If he did want to, he does at least have valuable assets on his team on the youth side to be able to go do that. I am pretty much locked into competing this year. But if I'm going to compete this year, this is the best contender I think I've ever built that I would feel comfortable about in March. Right? There's a lot that can happen. But I'm going to need like three or four running back injuries 
in order for this team not to actually be good next year. Yeah, and, and that's see that that's the thing, right? Building a contender in March isn't the most ideal thing unless you're doing it like Mike did at prices that make so much sense because e- even if right now it's not the the movement of your league and everyone wants to value youth unless these guys get hurt in the offseason we know they're going to spring back and some of their value is going to bounce back 5 6 months from now so the point there is understanding what everyone else is doing in your league in the startup right in the startup because seeing that and seeing where the value is, it may give you an opportunity to make a trade during the startup. It may give you an opportunity to draft players you weren't planning on when you went into the startup in the first round when you drafted X player. And the if you stay flexible, especially in those first few rounds with both win now and youth pieces, round four, round five, round six, when things are really shaping up and you're seeing how things are playing out in your startup, you are now flexible to go either way, whether it's trading up, whether it's drafting some of the crusty win now people that shouldn't be in round five, round six, Devontae Adams types like Mike alluded to, some of these running backs, right? A lot of that is just staying fluid and flexible in your startup. And I think that is one of the big takeaways here is that Mike has already now forced his hand on contending. But because of the roster he's built, that's okay. I've taken notice of what's happened in this startup. But I have all my futures. I have a lot of youth pieces. But the first seven, eight rounds especially are all players that could be on the contending side. So I have the ability to see how the league navigates itself. And I'm flexible that I didn't I didn't do them in the startup. But I'm at the luxury now to make moves accordingly after the startup. See, that that's what flexibility gives you in a startup. You don't have to necessarily pick your direction right now, but you need to see what's going on in your leagues and then pick a direction based on that. And the converse can be the case. Mike, what Mike did, and what there's another person in the league that did something opposite. This is a key about when Mike talks about being first to the punch. Sometimes in a league like this, right, most people wanted to rebuild, youth movement type team, right? Productive struggle. So guess what? Mike makes a couple trades to move up. People are taking notice of that. Okay, hey, Mike, let me go. Let me get Let me get some of your futures because that's what I'm really craving. They're letting him do it at a discount. You don't have to do that in the startup, but sometimes if you're the first to the punch, there's going to be people that come to you with offers and say, Oh, this guy wants to make moves to go win now. Let me try to get his futures. Or vice versa, if you're in that league where everyone's valuing crusty people, you keep taking picks, people are going to say, oh, you want picks here. How do I get your startup pick right now and give you futures? So that can happen if done correctly in a startup, but you don't have to force it in a startup. Absolutely. You definitely don't have to force it. But that, that point you made about being first to the thing, is so important, right? Once you get some of them first deals to come out, it, it's blood in the water, right? People get, yeah. oh, oh, shit. Oh, 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 I want this dude's 24 pick now. Like, if, if he's going to trade away his 23 pick, maybe he'll trade away his 24. And, and vice versa, right? It, it, it's that blood in the water 
it makes things more clear. People know who the players are. I don't mind sitting in a startup and not making trades, but sometimes you just get forced into it, right? You didn't make a lot of trades in the startup, nope. but you didn't force anything, right? You didn't take a massive loss or give a massive discount because you felt the need like you had to. Sit there and take things that, that fit your build or fit the idea of how things are shaping up and, and you'll be just fine, right? Because you have, Adam, you've got, you know, six months to figure this thing out on like what you want to do with it, right? And, and that's the thing too, is there's, I have, I have a bunch of outs. Now, is this team that I built based on the startup going to win now with everything that I know in the league? No, probably not. I mean, I guess if things really broke right, maybe, but I doubt it. That's not the way I built the team. But there's a lot of time for that to play out still. If you're doing a startup in the in the spring, I'm not saying you can't pick a direction because you can do what Mike did and pick a direction and be really set up nice. But there's a lot of time for values to shift, for especially if you're drafting the youth pieces, for those to climb, right? Or if you're getting these crusty assets really late because it's too much youth. You sit on them for a few months and that, guess what they're going to do at the right time. They're going to climb. So I, I think Mike, one of the big things and, and to try to finish this and wrap this up, I don't want to spend a bunch of time going over what we did in our other trade episodes. The three episodes in particular that I'm talking about, Mike are 40 chess, your league mates, that's like microdynamics of your league. How to figure out what your league mates are doing and trade with them. Going fishing in the dark, right? That's startup values. Kind of having a pulse and idea of where players are going in startups. You don't have to be locked into them. It doesn't mean if ADP says X player is going at late fourth, that that's where he's at. But just an idea to gauge startup values and player values off of that. And then also Jonathan Taylor built different to understand your league, right? If it's a very deep roster and it's best ball, how much that differs from if it's a shallow starting roster and it's setting lineups and based on league settings, all those things need to factor in how you value players and what you do in your startup and how you navigate the waters. I think utilizing those three episodes in particular with this is really the big play in how you can navigate through startups and ultimately try to find the way to either stay the most flexible or take advantage and manipulate what is happening and where the advantages are for you in trading in the startup. I think one thing too that I'm looking when we have this draft board up, Adam, while you while you're looking at it, to me, there's a very few picks in the first three rounds that would signal I'm going for it. I'm competing, right? Most of your the first 24 picks are going to be guys where you could go multiple different directions with at any yes. time. Yes. So don't lock in those first 24 picks. Don't lock yourself into a direction 100%. By, doing, by crazy trade-ups at that point because it's still very fluid, right? Until I, I want to say the first one for me would be like Tyreek Hill. And that was pick 24 for us. Yes. He doesn't have a lot of value to people who are going to go rebuild their productive struggle. That's really the first one. Everybody else I could make a case for, even Russell Wilson, because of the length of QB time. 
and how valuable quarterbacks are in Superflex. The next pick that came off the board where it might be close was Jalen Hurts. And then Aaron Rodgers. That's it, right? Yeah. We're, we're through we're through 27 picks, 28 picks, and there's just a handful of guys where it's like this guy's going for it. Right? This is an older asset, might be a little bit tougher to move. So you have that time. I don't want you to go when you do a startup and lock yourself into taking those old assets like I love Tyreek Hill, right? But why would you take him in the middle of the second? and kind of just lock yourself into a direction to go. I, the only reason I can see that this player did that, this person did that, Jesus, uh, I don't know what the rest of his name is. It's dotted out. He, he, I think, took a bit of a reach, but he stacked it with Mahomes. So when best will understand that thought process. Yeah. But even yeah. still, even still, Mike, it, what it forces you, like what you're saying, is now you kind of – you're not forced to, but it's it's going to be hard to get off of Tyreek Hill at the two at the two twelve value mm-hmm. if you don't want to go win now. So to to your point, that's that's why it's problematic. That's a big thing. Just keep it in mind when you go out. It is startup season. People get the itch. You know, rookie drafts are coming up, but there's going to be a lot of startups going on too. Yeah, people have the itch, right? We all oh, took yeah. that. We all took that break from dynasty, you know, and just kind of relax. The, the real degenerates, the ones who are listening to this podcast, you didn't take a break. You we know you take were a there break. We're here. We we're ready. But for the most part, people are starting to come back and getting that startup itch and free agencies hitting and all this NFL news. People are like, man, I want to do a startup so bad. It is startup season. Keep this in mind when you're doing these, that just from my perspective, from looking at draft boards and being in startups right now, the first two rounds, you definitely don't have to make a direction. If a trade-up opportunity presents itself where the value is just too damn good to say no to, like all you got to give up is a second and a third to move up to get Jonathan Taylor from the tier below in running backs, do it. Do it. You didn't hamstring yourself that much. It, it's a fair deal for you. Go go yeah. out and do that deal. And but if you've where... got to get up, if you've got to get up your future 23 first. And like your third round startup pick to move up to get another first round pick, I'm not in for that, right? Like you are you're committing yourself already when you really don't need to. Other people may already commit. Other people may already be there. I want you to be first to the party, but be first to the party smart. Correct. Be first and to that's the party where... when you need to be first to the party. Not before, you know, if the party's on Friday, don't fucking show up on Thursday. Okay. <laughs> show up on Friday. Show up a little bit early. You want don't to show punctual. up on fucking Thursday. Yes. You want to be punctual, but don't be waiting at the gate for hours sitting there while no one's at the party. And, and the point is there, Mike, when I talked about going to those other three episodes that we did for an hour plus a piece, go to the one that we did on startups, going fishing in the dark. We talk about all that. And that that ultimately is understanding startup values, how to associate those startup, those players, those rookie futures all into one mind meld so that you're able to utilize all of that. And you, you do what Mike said. If someone's going to let you move up and take the RB one, that's very clear far and away for just future seconds or later, small little moves, that's a win, right? But if you're using the 23 first or a different year future first to make a move up, that's not that big enough a jump. 
that's where you screw it up. And sometimes it's just those little differences that we're trying to relay to everybody that's listening to this podcast. Utilize all this information that we're trying to provide. And then now take advantage. Be the one that takes advantage of the other fish in your league in your startups. Because you don't necessarily win the league in your startups, but you can position yourself way ahead of the curve in the startups. And that is how you get ahead of everybody else. And then you keep making 4D moves from there. Absolutely, man. That's all about making those 4D moves. I love that. I love it. I think that's going to do it for us. I'm sure this is going to be a topic we might touch on again next week. Uh, We're in multiple startups, right? And these little nuggets keep popping up where you and I are having these discussions. And I love them. I love the fact that we can bring it to these dynasty degenerates out there. These guys are going to start getting in these startups, right? And hopefully you'll be able to take advantage of this. And your league mates will be sitting there like some of our league mates and going, oh my gosh, I'm never going to be able to win this league. Here, just just take this other startup pick. Might as well. Let me get your third round pick in 2023. Like it's not even valuable, bro. I I give up. You got it. Can I get my money back? We want (laughs) you to have that kind of draft in the startup. Yes. And then continue yourself with everything else that we've already provided you, right? We've already told you how to game them in trades and, and how to do that kind of 4D in your chess league mates. But startup drafts are very important. It's something we hadn't touched on yet. So we wanted to make sure that we got this out, especially with it being startup season. So we appreciate you tapping in for another one. It was a good one. I love doing this show and I'm sure we're going to have more of this coming down the road. Anything else that you wanted to get out before we hop out of here, Adam? That's it. Startup season, Dynasty Degenerates. We're going to be busy. You're going to be busy in startups. We're going to be busy weekly bringing you the good stuff right here. If you want to check more of us out, patreon.com forward slash South Harmon. If not, once a week, one hour, we're coming right here, giving you all of our mindset, the 4D chess movements. And just remember, when your league mates are playing chess, play 4D chess. That's always my favorite. That's going to do it. We're out of here. Peace. Peace.